This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 9.04. We've been dealing with fog most of the morning and some traffic hazards hearing around some parts of the area tire irons in the road and such right now 65 degrees in Binghamton maybe some patchy fog still around in those river valleys otherwise becoming sunny today and a high in the upper 80s the investigation is continuing over a week after a wrong way driver collided with a car on the Vestal Parkway leaving a couple dead the Broome County District Attorney's Office is involved in the investigation along with Vestal Police authorities say no charges have been filed and no additional information can be released at this time in connection with the head-on collision August 8th near University Plaza the left of Johnson City husband and wife dead. 57-year-old Al Latessa was pronounced dead at the scene of the collision, which happened between Murray Hill Road and Plaza Drive. His wife, 60-year-old Paula, was taken to Wilson Hospital, where she died. Investigators say the Latessas were in a Nissan sedan traveling west on the parkway when they were hit by a Chevrolet Equinox driven by 31-year-old Stephen Morgan, Moran rather, of Binghamton, who was traveling east on the westbound lanes of the divided roadway. Moran was treated for unspecified specified injuries at Wilson Hospital following the crash shortly before 11 p.m. in a work zone where that greenway pedestrian and bicycle pathway is being constructed. By the way, the obituaries for the Latessas appear in today's newspaper. New York State Police say an East Meredith man is now facing vehicular homicide and other counts in connection with a crash that happened almost three months ago on May 26, Route 23 in Delaware County. State Police say 39-year-old Adam Bright was arrested Wednesday and charged with the vehicular homicide and other counts in the head-on crash on Route 23 in which the minivan he was driving collided with a tractor-trailer around 4 o'clock in the morning. Bright's passenger, 43-year-old Stacy Stachow of Meredith, died at the scene. Bright was airlifted by helicopter to an area hospital with leg and pelvis injuries. The driver of the tractor-trailer, 53-year-old Michael Lutz of Oneana, suffered minor injuries and was treated at a local hospital, then released. Troopers say their investigation has now resulted in Bright being charged with the felony counts of aggravated vehicular homicide, aggravated vehicular assault, and aggravated unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle, as well as misdemeanor counts of aggravated unlicensed operation, driving while impaired by drugs and reckless driving. But the New York State Police say their investigation is continuing. WMBF First News Time, 8 are 907. The Shenango County Health Department is warning rabies has been identified in local wildlife and any wild animal acting strangely near residential areas should be considered dangerous. Dogs and cats should be up to date on rabies vaccinations and dogs should be wearing a current license tag on their collar. Anyone in or out of Shenango County can contact their veterinarian or local health department for information on rabies vaccinations. If a pet has had interaction with any animal suspected of having rabies, the owner should not handle their pet. The health department says, quote, if you must attend to your pet, wear gloves, long sleeves, and use extreme caution, you can be exposed to rabies from lingering saliva on a pet's fur. 
The pet should be isolated and allow the saliva to dry to kill the virus. Wild animals should be enjoyed from a distance. Do not attempt to feed, approach, or touch wildlife. Do not trap and relocate skunks. This can spread rabies to other areas. If you have a nuisance animal, contact a professional wildlife control agent. If you see an animal acting abnormally, contact environmental health officials. If you or a loved one is bitten by a wild or domestic animal, wash the exposed site immediately with soap and water. Seek medical care and report the bite to public health officials. Authorities also don't want people to overreact. The health department advisory says, quote, do not kill healthy appearing animals merely due to this warning. For more information, call 607-337-1673. WMBF Newstime 909. Almost. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast might still be some patchy fog for a few more hours, maybe an hour or so, according to the National Weather Service. Becoming sunny today, a high in the upper 80s tonight, partly cloudy, patchy fog again as we get toward morning and a low in the low to mid 60s. Tomorrow starts off with the patchy fog. Otherwise, sunny, a slight chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, a high near 90. Sunday, mostly sunny, but a 50% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high in the mid to upper 80s. Monday, Uh, Partly sunny skies, a 70% chance of showers, possibly afternoon thunderstorms, a high near 80. And Tuesday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of mainly afternoon showers and thunderstorms, and a high in the low to mid 80s. Currently, it's 65 in Binghamton. It's 910, where news breaks first. News Radio, 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio, 1290, WMBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Let it begin. Let it begin. 607-772-1290. Who will be caller number one to claim his or her 60 seconds of broadcast fame. 607-772-1290. Be caller number one. And to get 60 seconds of broadcast fame on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM and 1290 AM, tis Friday morning. Coming up, we will be talking with the legendary Roger Neal, America's most popular. Will be on the program talking about the golf tournament. Everybody, everybody is excited for the golf tournament. I know I am. See what happens. Of course, it's a little foggy this morning. The fog doesn't adversely affect the start of play for this year's tournaments. Anyway, we'll have a lot to talk about. Encourage you to stick around on WNBF as we uh, wrap up another big week. Wow, August is moving by quickly, of course. Wouldn't it be nice if February would move by as quickly as August does? Yes, February. 28 days and... Strangely enough, it just feels like 82 days or something. 
All right. We've got a lot coming up on the program, so don't touch that dial. First, though, we turn our attention to the Vestal Parkway near Binghamton University and the Miller Auto Team. Good morning. Who am I speaking hey, with? Good morning, Bob. What, is this Nick? This is Nick. How are you? Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I wasn't sure since I didn't actually answer the phone. I, I figured it was probably you, but you never know. Sometimes, sometimes one of your colleagues slips in on a Friday, and so it's right. Yeah. Right. Jay, yeah, Jake Dan over in Hyundai. Yep. I uh, was going to do it, but he got a little busy, so he asked me to fill in for him. So here I am. <laughs> Excellent. By the way, I tell tell him that I saw a Hyundai. I think they call it a Kona. Yeah. Did you ever see a Kona? Hyundai? Yeah, yeah. They are beautiful, and they are very, very popular. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I was yeah. behind one yesterday, and I thought, let's see, a car named for my favorite coffee. You know, how how could you <laughs> top that? You know, if, if, if it came, if a brand-new Hyundai Kona came with, uh, you know, uh, an eight-ounce bag of Kona coffee, that would be a great promotion. I'll have to mention to Mr. Denton the next time I talk to him. You know what? That would not be a bad accessory to put into a car. Put like a little coffee maker in there. <laughs> put on your way to work and have some nice hot fresh coffee. I'm surprised they haven't done it. You know, then it'll be it'll be it, it, we'll see who comes out with it first, Honda or That's Hyundai. Right. I right. love you that. just want to make sure you don't spill it on your drive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it would come out at a at a precise temperature, hot enough to enjoy, but not hot enough to cause any any discomfort if if a little yeah, bit spills. <laughs> anyway, so Nick, how's the week been? I I take it uh, you and all your buddies on the Miller Auto team have been quite busy this week. Yeah, it's been awesome. You, you know what? I had yesterday off, and again, I got in this morning. We had two truckloads of cars that dropped off cars yesterday. They're here today, so we're all sorting through them. We have CRVs that came in. We have Civics that came in. My gosh, we even have Ridgeline Passports. And here's the cool thing. All the salespeople, they're on the phone calling their customers. So if anybody listening, and if they had Amanda Hill as a, as a salesperson or Aaron Craig or Pat Sabalski, your cars have probably come in. And, and what's kind of cool is these folks will come in, They'll say, hey, I need a CRV. I need something in blue. What's coming in? We put you on a list. When they come in, we call you up and have you come pick it up. So we got, we got some really cool cars out there. Yeah, well, I know, as we've talked before, it's exciting when uh, the delivery happens, especially in this day and age with yeah. the, uh, the challenges getting, getting new cars in the hands of their uh, owners. Uh, sometimes patience is a virtue, but then on that special day, when uh, you're able to make that call and say, hey, guess what day today is? Today is your new vehicle day, and that, that, yeah. really, that really makes people happy. And, and, and you know what? It goes by really quickly, too. When you come in, you order a car, that time goes really quickly, and then before you know it, your car is here. We're getting it ready for you, getting all your accessories on there, getting it all cleaned, shined up, full tank of gas for you, and all ready to go. Excellent, excellent. So Miller Motors will be open today, I believe, till 6, and also tomorrow from 9 to 4? Yeah, so today till 6 o'clock, and today's a very special day. Today is my birthday, so if anybody wants to come in and wish me a happy birthday, I'm here. And then Saturday till 4 o'clock. Well, I wish I had known. I would have bought you a card. I was just in at the card store because uh, James Kelly, his birthday is today, too, so it's interesting. Your birthday and uh, James Kelly's birthday coincide. See? I like it. 
<laughs> if only I had known. You know, I could have gotten one of those special deals, you know, volume discounts, two two for five or, or three for ten or whatever they do at the uh, at, at the card store. But anyway, I, I wish you a happy birthday. I hope you have a, a great day. I hope you have a chance this evening to celebrate and uh, just look back on the past year and look ahead to the next. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I thank you. And, and we welcome everybody coming in today to pick up their new cars. And if somebody wants a new car, my gosh, stop on in and uh, pick one out, and we'll get you all taken care of. It's all at the Miller Motors location, 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. More information online at MillerAutoTeam.com. Nick Tamaris, happy birthday. I like it. And thank you very much, Bob. Thanks. Have a good weekend. Hey, you too. Talk to you Thanks. It's 917 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com, 607-772-1290. We will take calls, and heck, we probably today will even venture into the mysterious world of email. What are the people saying via email? We'll check that out. Bob at WNBF.com. Listening live to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the free WNBF app. Friday morning, WNBF with Bob Joseph at the helm till noon. Then it's weekend time. Yes, getting ready for the weekend here at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove if you have a fast car, you want to slow it down when you get to uh, the roundabout That's about all you need to know with roundabouts I know some people make it seem difficult Oh, I don't know, it's so difficult No, it's actually so easy <laughs> The roundabout it's probably the simplest and best concept ever developed in the world of uh, traffic engineering. That's why they're spreading. They're spreading. Before long, the entire nation will be covered with roundabouts, as uh, we've covered in the last few weeks. Two new roundabouts have opened in the town of Dickinson, just north of Binghamton. And the verdict is in. People love them. The one roundabout that continues to generate controversy inexplicably is the downtown Binghamton roundabout. But basically, the only people who have trouble with that roundabout are those who are impaired or distracted. For the people who actually should be in a car or truck, those people enjoy the convenience and the safety and the efficiency of the roundabout. Uh, very interesting story from CBS News. Finally, a guy named Chris Van Cleve, who apparently is the transportation 
reporter, transportation correspondent for CBS News, he decided he would go to the land of roundabouts. Yes, Indiana. And Carmel, Indiana, uh, I've known about their affinity for roundabouts for years, and I've always been hoping at some point that, uh, oh, say, people around here would follow suit. And I think eventually it's happening. It's not happening as quickly as I would like to see. But according to CBS News, Carmel, Indiana now has 142 roundabouts and more are on their way. They have a very enlightened mayor. His name is James Brainerd. He said they make the community safer and greener. So, to prove the point, CBS News and Chris Van Cleve actually rode along with the mayor through some of Carmel's roundabouts, where he pointed out why he prefers traffic circles over intersections with stoplights. He said uh, it's just fun. Not just fun, but it just makes sense. And he says by 2025, within three years, that city, which has a population that's more than double, Binghamton's, will have a single stoplight. Can you imagine Binghamton with a single stoplight? Yes, I can. And I would think that would be a vast improvement. Think about it. Eliminate all the stoplights except for one. Well, maybe that one on Beethoven Street. You know the one I'm talking about. Leave that one there for old times' sake, for people who are going down to Rod Serling's Park. But otherwise, eliminate every stoplight in the city of Binghamton. Life would be so much better. Will it happen? Of course not. There's no political will to do it. But we would save time and money and gas. Think of all the money they would save. The thousands and thousands of dollars the city spends to maintain old, outdated traffic signals. Who knows? It could mean a tax decrease. Let's go to the phones at 926. Larry and Kirkwood, good morning. Well, I love that idea, Bob. That would be very dangerous to eliminate a lot of uh, stoplights. I mean, traffic would get crazy. And, you know, got people like me in wheelchairs trying to cross streets. I mean, that would work too well. <laughs> Hello? Yes, and? Oh. Oh. That's all I was saying about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, I appreciate your uh, your viewpoint. Well, well anyway. About I mean, that, that, doesn't, anyway. that doesn't mean it won't happen. I mean, obviously, yeah, right. look at the traffic signal over at, at Court and Shenango. That's the safest intersection in Binghamton. Compared to all the other downtown intersections, that is the safest intersection. It's safer than any other Court Street intersection that's now signalized. So if, if they could put in more roundabouts, they should put one right here at the station. We need a roundabout here. They should put one near Boscoff's. You know, more. They should put a couple near the high school, one over at, at Main and Front and Main and Oak. Eliminate the traffic signals. Eliminate... All the agony of waiting and waiting and waiting at these red lights when there's no other traffic coming. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, that's that's very true. But 
you got to be safe about certain things. But well, you got to be safe. You got to be a safe driver. See, that's the problem. People, people mistake problems with the roundabout when in fact the problem isn't the roundabout the problem was driver ineptitude or driver impairment or driver distraction the roundabout yeah, itself yeah, is the true. safest the safest type of intersection design available and you know if, if people are going to drive dangerously those are probably the same people who would zip right through a red light and t-bone uh, another vehicle oh wait a minute now let me clarify something were you talking about specifically traffic lights in the roundabout? No, no traffic lights. The whole point of a roundabout is to eliminate traffic lights. We don't want oh, traffic okay. lights. We can't afford traffic lights. The, the electricity is a lot. The, the lights cost a lot to replace. It takes lots of people. The city, the city has uh, a lot of workers that are devoted year-round to replacing and, and maintaining traffic lights. It's yeah, yeah. It's Very crazy. True. I tell you. Yeah. I tell you, Larry, it's simply crazy. <laughs> well, anyway, let's talk about Kathy White. Good to be without the great lady for a week. So I'll probably have to call you guys up and comfort you, you know, and, and guide you through because you're going to have a lot of DTs going on here. <laughs> Somehow we're going to cope, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> Bless you. All right. Have a great day. 929 coming up next. We'll talk with uh, Democratic congressional candidate Josh Riley. The program is live. It's local. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Nine thirty-three WNBF Live Local News Radio. Well, the information you need will be taking more calls from listeners in just a moment. If you want to get in line, number is 607-772-1290. Submit your email to Bob at WNBF.com. Right now we're joined by Josh Riley, a candidate for the Democratic nomination for Congress in New York's 19th District. Good morning. Bob, hey, how are you? Good. How are things going? The uh, primary um, campaign is almost over. We're heading down the stretch here. Appreciate you giving me a chance to come on and uh, remind your listeners one more time, get out and vote. Uh, the early voting booths are open now, and um, election day is Tuesday the 23rd. What kind of feedback have you been getting from people? Have, have a lot of people been taking advantage of the early voting opportunity or not that many based on, on the talk you hear around town? Yeah, you know, the, the enthusiasm and the excitement for this campaign has been really uh, humbling for me and amazing to see. Uh, in Broome County, I was just at the uh, St. Mary's Bazaar last week, just did a, a big event with a bunch of supporters in Bustle a couple of days ago. And uh, hundreds of people um, uh, are turning out to vote early every day. And uh, we're expecting a lot, of, a lot of turnout here overall for the election. There's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. I think um, a lot of Democrats for this primary are really engaged to fight back against the Dobbs decision uh, that we saw out of the Supreme Court which is uh, really horrific, and I think people are stepping up to fight back against that. I think there's also some enthusiasm out there for some of the progress we've just seen uh, from Democrats with um, 
lowering the cost of prescription drugs and investing in climate change. So uh, I'm excited about what that means uh, for, for this election. And we're seeing it on the ground with, uh, with the events we're doing. We had uh, Jamie Cheney, the other Democratic candidate for the uh, nomination in the 19th district on the program Wednesday. And I know uh, you mentioned to me that you had heard our conversation and you had some thoughts about, about some of the things that uh, she said. Uh, sure. Well, I, I don't know. There, there were just two things that I wanted to, to, to address. Um, you know, I don't know if she, she misspoke um, or what, but there was a conversation you all had around. Uh, residency issues. Um, I just want to be really clear here. I'm the only candidate in this race from either side of the aisle uh, who is actually from this district. As you know, Bob, I'm from Endicott. I went to UE High School. Um, I'm the only one who was raised in this district, and I'm the only one who lives in this district. I live uh, now in Ithaca. And I don't know if uh, if, if my opponent misspoke, but um, both of my opponents actually are from elsewhere. One is from Philadelphia, one's from New York City, uh, and they both live elsewhere. Uh, they're both in Dutchess County. So um, I just wanted to clarify that. I'm sure she just misspoke about that. Um, and the other issue, which I think is a, is a good one for us to talk about that came up in your conversation, was the ability of a Democrat in this district to appeal to independents and Republicans and win crossover votes. And I appreciate that uh, my opponent said uh, she thinks she'll be able to do that. I'm not going to debate that point, but um, I actually have a track record of doing it. Um, when I worked uh, as counsel in the U.S. Senate, one of the things I'm most proud of having done was brought progressive Democrats together with conservative Republicans to get legislation passed in a very, very divided Washington. Um, I oversaw one bill that protected survivors of domestic violence from homelessness. I worked on another piece of legislation. It was signed into law to fight the opioid epidemic, which, as you know, really ripped through a lot of communities around here. Um, and so I have a record of bipartisanship. I tell people all the time, I don't think compromise is a bad word. I think we need a lot more of it in Washington. Um, the most rewarding thing you can do in our politics is find common ground with folks. I was just out in uh, Delaware County for the, the county fair. And uh, spent a bunch of time. I went over to the Republican tent there and spent a whole bunch of time talking with folks. And sure enough, if we just treat each other with decency and give each other the benefit of the doubt and recognize there's a lot of stuff we disagree on, we're always able to find a couple things that we agree on that would that would make people's lives better here in, here in upstate New York. So um, I, I'm really excited about this general election. I'm really excited about bringing people uh, together to, to win the race, but more importantly, to get things done in our politics. So tell me about your um, next few days. So uh, primary voting on primary day, Tuesday itself, will start at 6 a.m. So what does this mean for you and, and um, the campaign as things uh, approach the final hours before the official voting gets underway. As we mentioned, early voting is taking place, but actually uh, voting for uh, primary day on Tuesday. So what's your schedule like? Yeah, well, thanks, Bob. Well, I'll tell you the, the number one thing and the most important thing and what I will be doing uh, for a, a good chunk of uh, this evening and a good chunk of tomorrow is celebrating my son's uh, second birthday. Uh, he's a he's a he's a COVID baby. He was born during the height of the pandemic. Uh, he was six months old when January sixth happened, and uh, was a, a, a bit of a call to action for me when when that happened. And I questioned whether he would grow up in a functioning 
uh, democracy. And so I tonight I will be uh, taking him uh, his favorite thing here in Ithaca is to go see the waterfalls. Uh, he calls them waffles. <laughs> so uh, tonight I'll be taking him to see the waffles. Tomorrow uh, his grandparents are coming uh, and hopefully bringing cider mill donuts. Uh, for his his birthday, so we're going to do that. Uh, and aside from that, I'm going to be knocking on a whole bunch of doors. Um, I've been spending hours and hours doing that uh, over the last week or two, and the reception we've been getting has just been overwhelmingly positive. There's so many folks. Um, one of the most rewarding things for me knocking on doors has been situations where uh, we knock on the door of somebody who we think is a likely voter in the Democratic primary. Uh, and they happen to be married to uh, a Republican voter and having those conversations at the doors. And one of the things that uh, has been really special for me is a lot of folks, Republicans, Democrats, and independents, know that there hasn't been a member of Congress from Broome County in over 70 years. And for a community that's really been overlooked and left behind, uh, the prospect of, of having somebody from Broome County represent them is something a lot of people are excited about. So I'll be out knocking, I'll be eating cider mill donuts, celebrating my son's birthday and, uh, and, uh, knocking on doors, Bob. Josh Riley facing Jamie Cheney in the democratic primary in New York's 19th congressional district. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate you having me. Have a great, uh, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. It's 940. This is News Radio WNBF, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM. Do you have something to say? Could be politics, could be donuts, could be roundabouts. Hey, it could be bubble tea. I'm just hours away from sampling bubble tea for the first time. Do you have any advice, any guidance for someone? who never has indulged. 607-772-1290 or send your email to bob at wnbf.com. You want... Nine forty-five with Bob Joseph, WNBF six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety, and if you wish, you can email Bob at wnbf.com. Write them like that anymore, do they? <laughs> no, they don't, kids. They certainly don't. By the way, uh, last night, what a what a beautiful night it was last night. I mean, as in a night to be grilling. There you go. The sounds of sizzling speedies. Delicious, nutritious speedies. Go and grab a few pounds of speedy meat today. Brought to you by the American Speedy Association. Which reminds you, life is too short not to enjoy a delicious speedy. 
Alright, it's not a commercial. Come on, man. They don't need to advertise. They <laughs> sell themselves. But man, those speedies were tasty. As seen on Twitter, I'm sure you probably know what I'm referencing, but if you don't follow the Twitter feed, you're sadly out of luck. 947 WNBF. There is some good news today, according to According to the news, they uh, are saying that a Little League player, Easton Oliverson, who's 12 years old, looks like he will make a recovery. A full recovery, they say. He uh, fell out of a bunk bed at the Little League World Series. And according to... A story, this particular story is from Anna Kaplan on Yahoo News. It says he's no longer under sedation and is speaking with his doctors, according to uh, a social media post from his family. So that sounds promising. Easton Oliverson is a pitcher and outfielder for a team called the Snow Canyon All-Stars from Utah says he fell from a top bunk and fractured his skull Monday morning, leading to internal bleeding. His father told the Today Show on NBC, we went from experiencing the highs of the highs to then the lows of the lows, and to the point where he's just fighting for his own life. Uh, the latest that his family posted on Instagram, uh, this morning's updates have us all in tears of joy. We couldn't be more proud of our Easton and more grateful for the prayers that have helped him get to this point. He's no longer sedated. He has started to wake up more. He asked for water this morning. The doctor said that's good because it usually takes a week or two for patients to have the desire to eat or drink after uh, going through what he has gone through. So, story says his nickname is Tank. So they're rooting everybody, of course, will be rooting for his full recovery. I will say this, and we've talked certainly on the program in recent months about uh, young people in sports. Of course, a lot of uh, conversation with Ron from Binghamton about CTE, CTE. And that's the risk posed to um, especially young people. It's not limited to young athletes. You know, people of any age would be susceptible to chronic traumatic encephalop encephalopathy. But obviously younger, younger people, younger people are a grave concern because of sports. But... Uh, now that I think about what happened to Easton falling from a bunk bed, I never thought much about it back in the day. I have to admit, back in the day, I used to sleep in a bunk bed on the <clears throat> upper bunk, and I never thought that much about it. You know, what happens if I ever fall from the bunk, but now we certainly see this as uh, 
you know, a, a very serious example of what could happen if a child falls from an upper bunk and then winds up with a serious injury, a life-threatening critical injury. So I, I'm kind of surprised. The more I think about it now, especially after reading this story about 12-year-old Easton Oliverson, I'm kind of surprised in 2022 that bunk beds are still a thing. I understand why they're a thing. Um, because of space. If you have a couple of kids and you don't have two separate bedrooms or the bedroom isn't big enough for two separate beds, of course, the solution is a bunk bed. But it just seems to me that maybe, maybe something ought to be revisited. I know, yeah. Say, well, they have the thing on the side, so how could you possibly fall from the bunk bed? Well, you can, and unfortunately, in this case, Easton fell from the bunk bed and was critically injured. So, I guess the question I would have going forward with the um, organizers of the Little League World Series want to reconsider the sleeping arrangements for players in the future. So something like this might not happen again. 9.52 at News Radio WNBF. Of course, some people will probably not be amused that it's even brought up, but sometimes you have to ask some unpleasant questions in the effort to protect young people. Isn't that our mission? Protect young people to the greatest extent possible. In the news, there was, of course, the major announcement about uh, a big store. This is a big store. I mean, don't kid yourself. This, is this going to be the biggest store around here? It certainly is going to be one of the biggest stores. It's going to be bigger than Wegmans, the House of Sport. I want to open up Bob's House of News. I want to have a 150,000-square-foot store called Bob's House of News. Let's see how many minutes that's open before we have to close for lack of interest. Anyway, Dick Sporting Goods plans to open a very large House of Sport concept store at the former Oakdale Mall in Johnson City. You've probably heard that something's going on there. Of course you've heard. 140,000 square feet. Now, I'm told the manager at the Wegmans in Johnson City, I believe, told me uh, this earlier this year when they were starting the big renovation project at the Wegmans store across the street on Harry L. Drive. I believe he said after the renovation is completed, Wegmans will have 133,000 square feet. So this house of sport will be even larger than Wegmans. So what do you think about that? Uh, Edward Stack, a man named Edward Stack, who is the executive chairman of Dick Sporting Goods, announced the big project. So it'll be in the former Macy's department store. As we've reported in recent weeks, the uh, preliminary work has been underway in the Macy's. You can see some additional images of what's going on. 
at the old Oakdale Mall as it uh, becomes the Oakdale Commons. You can take a look at those images on our website, WNBF.com. So there is a great deal of activity. It's now underway. A frenzy. Frenzied pace. And if you've seen the, the image, the rendering of the new House of Sport, well, it looks like a pretty big house of sport. It's relative, a relatively new concept for Dick Sporting Goods. I think the first one, I believe, opened in the Rochester area. I think it was in Victor. So, if you like, if you like sport and you like houses, you're probably going to like that. It says it'll have an indoor climbing wall, batting cages, and a glass elevator, plus a turf field that also can be used as a skating rink during the winter course our thanks to Jim Emke from News Channel 34 who joined us in our final hour on Thursday morning to uh, tell us about the announcement from Mr. Stack House of Sport It's 9:56 I'm still imagining my house <laughs> House of News. Bob's House of News. Yes, uh, you can go over in that uh, section over there. There's our newspaper section. We have newspapers from all 50 states and also from Canada, Mexico, the UK. And look, there's a publication from Russia. And there's, oh, that's where we could actually originate the program. And all of our newscasts would originate in a glass enclosed studio at Bob's House of News. <laughs> well, as they say, it's, it's an idea. Not necessarily one of the better ideas, but it certainly is an idea that needs to be considered at some point. You're listening to News Radio WNBF coming up shortly. Speaking of sports, Roger Neal is going to join us. And he'll give us an update on what's going on at the Dick Sporting Goods Open at Enjoy in Endicott. I know uh, the fog earlier this morning it reminded me of some other golf tournaments in Endicott over the years with that amount of fog. I thought, oh, I don't know if they're going to be able to. Uh, get things underway at 9.15. But we'll get the live update from Roger Neal. Of course, Mr. Neal will be providing coverage throughout the weekend right here on WNBF for all of your Dick Sporting Goods Open updates right here if you can't make it out to enjoy yourself. On the other hand, it's the weekend, so be sure to enjoy yourself. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Some patchy fog this morning, otherwise sunny today. High 88, partly cloudy tonight. Some patchy fog developing again, low 63. Mostly sunny tomorrow with a slight chance of showers and maybe a few thunderstorms in the afternoon. High 89 tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. Low 64 
And for Sunday, the final round of the golf tournament, mostly sunny. A slight chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. The high Sunday, 87. Right now, in downtown Binghamton. Hold on, let me see if we can get a, an official reading of the temperature. The official temperature reading. 63 at News Radio WNBF. By the way, for those of you who think that we really need rain, the uh, news actually is somewhat encouraging from a precipitation standpoint. If your lawn looks like it's uh, pretty much on its last legs, uh, your lawn might perk up a little bit next week because, based on the long-range forecast, looking at the seven-day forecast from the National Weather Service, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday all have uh, a chance of showers. Doesn't doesn't look like necessarily lots of rain and certainly it's not going to make up for the precipitation deficit that we are currently experiencing but at least it should be a step in the right direction so uh, a potential for a bit of uh, rain that could be useful can't imagine trying to grow anything in these conditions it's certainly not not easy. It's not easy anyway to grow things, but when you don't have sufficient rain, that makes things all the more difficult. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Friday morning. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, and streaming live on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 70 degrees at 10.04. The forecast today, sunshine and a high in the upper 80s. A nationwide sporting goods retailer with humble beginnings in the Binghamton area is planning a huge shopping and destination development back in Broome County. The Stack family has announced Dick's Sporting Goods plans to operate a massive house of sport concept store at the former Oakdale Mall in Johnson City. The 140,000 square foot location would be the largest of the company's new house of sport sites. Dick's Sporting Goods Executive Chairman Edward Stack announced the project yesterday at the Dick's Open Golf Tournament activities in Endicott. The development will be located where the Macy's department store had operated on the south end of the mall off Harry L. Drive. The store in the future Oakdale Commons will feature an indoor climbing wall, batting cages, outdoor amenities including the House of Sport Complex with a turf field that can be used as a skating rink. The new store is expected to open sometime next year. Dick Sporting Goods was started by Dick Stack on Binghamton's east side in 1948. The company, which is now headquarters in the Pittsburgh area, operates several hundred stores nationwide. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says a Binghamton man is going to prison after pleading guilty to attempted robbery, while a Johnson City man will be incarcerated after pleading guilty to grand larceny, and that's in two separate cases that were handled this week in the Broome County court system. 34-year-old Douglas Holton of Binghamton pleaded guilty to attempted robbery. Prosecutors had said Holton had been caught shoplifting at the Johnson City Walmart on June 14th and threatened to stab employees with a box cutter. 
He took off, but Johnson City Police were able to find him a short time later and take him into custody. Holton is to be sentenced to five years in New York State Prison, followed by five years post-release supervision when he is sentenced in November. Meanwhile, District Attorney Michael Korchak's office says 39-year-old Justin Smalsey of Johnson City admitted he stole over $1,000 worth of merchandise from the Lowe's in Vestal by manipulating the barcodes before he went through the self-checkout. According to authorities, that happened on October 5th of last year when Smalsey managed to pay $72.89 for items that were supposed to cost $1,442. Smalsey pleaded guilty in Broome County Court this week to felony grand larceny. Prosecutors say that Smalsey has been sentenced to serve four years in New York State Prison. The news release from the district attorney's office notes Smalsey, quote, has a history of theft-related convictions, including felony criminal possession of stolen property. That dated back to 2012. Truth Farm will once again hold its annual Trail of Truth event to commemorate the lives lost to substance abuse disorder tomorrow at the Broome County Courthouse in Binghamton. The event comes in advance of the Binghamton organization taking the Trail of Truth to the national level next month. Over 70 organizations will come together to call for immediate access to treatment and the end of discrimination in the medical care for substance abuse. The organizations have planned a national trail of truth and march in Washington, D.C., September 24th. Beginning in 2016 in Broome County, the Trail of Truth has become a yearly display to give faces to the stories of those lost and to advocate to eliminate the stigma associated with substance use disorder and the treatment of those afflicted in the criminal justice system. Tomorrow in Binghamton, in addition to the photos, mementos, and stories from the families, the keynote speaker will be Beth Macy, the author of Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America, on which the Hulu TV series Dope Sick was based. Truth Farm will also offer overdose recognition and reversal training, and all community members who receive the training during the event will be provided with a free Narcan kit. Events begin at 2 p.m. with the opening for viewing of the Family Memorial Cemetery. Attendees are asked to wear black, and those who have suffered a loss are free to bring a poster of their loved one. A Cortland woman is facing charges for allegedly leaving her infant in a vehicle unattended for an extended amount of time. Cortland County Sheriff's officials say 39-year-old Jolene Cooper is charged with endangering the welfare of a child. Authorities say they got a report shortly before 2.30 in the afternoon of August 14th that there was an infant inside an unoccupied vehicle for an extended period of time at the Price Chopper located on Route 14 in the town of Cortlandville. When deputies responded to the welfare check request, they discovered the mother had left the infant in the vehicle while she went into the store. Cooper was located in the store and taken into custody. The child was evaluated at the scene by ambulance crews and turned over to a family member. WMBF Newstime, 1009. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast sunny today, a high in the upper 80s. Tonight, partly cloudy, patchy fog setting up again after midnight, a low in the low to mid 60s. Mostly sunny tomorrow, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms that increase to about 30% as you get into the afternoon, a high tomorrow in the upper 80s to around 90. Sunday, Mostly sunny, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the afternoon, a high in the mid to upper 80s. 
Monday, partly sunny, a 70% chance of showers, possibly afternoon thunderstorms, a high near 80. And Tuesday, about a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the afternoon, and a high in the low to mid 80s. Currently, it's 70 in Binghamton. Dew point is at 56, so that's on the comfortable side. It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio WNBF. If you hear that song, it can mean only one thing. The legend is on the air. Roger Neal, good morning. Bob, good morning. How are you? I am well. And Roger joins us now from Enjoy in Endicott. Has the uh, fog uh, burned off? Yes, uh, everything is on time as scheduled. There was some fog around this morning, but uh, no problems with it. Uh, tea times are on as scheduled, and they'll be teeing off uh, right up until 1.55 this afternoon in the opening round of the Dick Sporting Goods Open. Exciting time. Um, you know, the great, well, many great things about this tournament, but on the Tour Champions, uh, everybody has major league credentials, obviously. So uh, it doesn't really matter what hole you go to or who you want to follow because you can be guaranteed that there's going to be some outstanding golf. So we're looking forward to it. And uh, it should be a great weekend, of course, the Zach Brown Band will be performing tonight. Uh, tomorrow, HH&K Day with free admission. And, of course, Sunday, the third and final round. And, Bob, you've been a part of these over many, many years as well, and it's always exciting. To me, one of the key things of everything, and, and I'm sure John Caridis would echo this, is the volunteer cooperation. It is absolutely amazing how the community comes together to staff this. It takes, I, I can't even estimate, I can get a figure at some point, but how many people are involved in holding this event. You've got marshals, you've got people who are on the course checking on people's health, whatever it might be, uh, to monitor everything. And it really is a tremendous operation. And, you know, when you take a look at our community, two huge events in the span of three weeks, a speedy fest, a week break, and then, of course, the Dick Sporting Goods Open. So we're blessed to have these types of things in our area. And uh, Dick Sporting Goods, of course, making the big announcement about the uh, major move that they're going to be making um, with their biggest store ever uh, in the what was the Oakdale Mall, the Commons area that will be opening up sometime next year. So that excitement yesterday culminated with the second day of the Pro-Am, and now today, round number one underway. And a little bit of that rain that came down yesterday uh, and into the early evening did stop play in the Pro-Am, but uh, at the same time, I'm sure welcome to uh, the groundskeepers and everybody here to get a little moisture on the golf course. So conditions look great, 
and we're excited to be covering this. We'll be providing periodic reports from the Dick Sporting Goods Open here at Enjoy right on through Sunday afternoon and into the late afternoon hours after the Rumble Ponies game to give you the latest on what's happening. And at some point, a champion will be crowned. And along with many volunteers, of course, we are supported by some wonderful sponsors, too. They include Bob Warner's Gas Service. Warner's proud to support the Dick Sporting Goods Open, always there for you. You can find them online and on Facebook. They're proud to support our great community, Warner's Gas Service and Vestal, and also brought to you in part by Upfront Auto Clinic, home of the free lube, oil, and filter changes for veterans. Steve Valenti and his staff keeping you safe on the road, Upfront Auto Clinic and Upper Front Street in Binghamton. So, Bob, an exciting day. We're looking forward to getting out and watching some of the golfers, and we'll be reporting throughout the afternoon right here on WNBF Direct from the Dick Sporting Goods Open. Roger, thanks for your report, and I will be listening throughout the day and during the weekend. It is always exciting, and um, approximately how many tournaments have you now covered at Enjoy? Well, uh, going back, uh, the first one was 1979. And, of course, we had the COVID year with, uh, with no event. And then uh, the one year with flood damage when they moved the B.C. Open to uh, the Turning Stone area. So aside from that, all of them, every one of them. And, uh, and you, again, you, over the years, you've been a big part of it, too. So we know the excitement that it brings. And to have these outstanding golfers right here in literally our own backyard is, uh, is, is a huge part for this community. The golfers love it. The tournament is so well run by John Caridis and his staff, and uh, it just seems to be a win-win for everybody. So thank goodness Dix has stepped up and continued to be the title sponsor and helping to bring this exciting event right here to, uh, to the Endicott and Broome County area. Now, I remember, and this is so long ago, it's almost half, I guess, about half a century ago, the first time I heard... Endicott, New York, and a golf tournament on the radio on WCBS in New York, the all-news station. It was so exciting. I guess it was over half a century ago because they made reference to the BC Open, and then it was still a novel idea. And I remember listening maybe on a Sunday night, and they made reference toward the end of their sports report about the BC Open in Endicott, New York. And as uh, someone who was living in Endicott at the time, I was just so proud. I was. I, I thought that's that's amazing. And of course, back then it started off as a satellite tournament on the tour. Sure, sure, and of course, um, rose uh, up the ranks in uh, competition on the regular tour, and then once that ceased uh, to be a, a potential because of the continued growing purses and um, some of the um, uh, televised events that, that took precedent. Uh, on came the Champions Tour, at one time called the Senior Tour, and uh, I think fans love it. I mean, again, with the quality of, of the golfers that you have. Um, for example, here today, just teeing off a few minutes ago, Stephen Elker, he's from New Zealand, and uh, he is tops in the Schwab Cup list, which is for earnings one during the current season or any season during play uh, in the uh, the Tour Champions events. How about this? He's already earned $2.4 million. He has three wins this year, three second-place finishes, and he just teed off a few minutes ago. And then just teeing off literally two to three minutes ago, how about this for a group, Podreg Harrington, number four in the Schwab Cup earnings list, $1.7 million so far, six top ten finishes so far this year out of Dublin, Ireland, Dervin Clark, and then Bernard Longer, who 
uh, made a beautiful presentation here a couple nights ago with the UHS Golf Expo. Talked to a lot of fans about his career, how he came up through uh, uh, the days when he was a very young caddy, started to play a lot and just kept getting better and better. And, of course, the rest is history. He's a World Golf Hall of Famer. But he made quite the presentation. He's a past winner here at the Dick's Sporting is Open. So wherever you look, you're seeing champions play, and that's why they call it the Tour Champion. So an exciting time, and again, beautiful sunshine, blue skies here to start things off today. Roger Neal, thank you for the live report from Enjoy in Endicott. More reports coming up throughout the weekend. And by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't wish you a, a happy birthday. No, your special hey. day is coming right up. Thank you very much. I'll be uh, starting to uh, to celebrate this weekend right here at the golf tournament, and uh, and um, hopefully a big celebration next week too. So thanks, Bob. I appreciate it very much, and we'll be back right after the one o'clock news with more information, as uh, many but not all of the golfers will have teed off in round one by then. As they say, Roger Neal on sports on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Coming up, your calls, 607-772-1290. And we may read some emails today. I have a sense we will. Bob at WNBF.com. Mo did. Ten twenty four WNBF. Jane from the town of Maine. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello. This is Jenny. Yeah, Jenny, you're on the air. Yes. Well, I wanted to tell. I had two older boys back in the seventies. <clears throat> they had bunk beds, and <clears throat> they had to go. I, the older one says, "Mom, mom." Andy's hurt, and I go in the bedroom, and Andy's just laying on the floor, and I got him to the hospital, and the doctor at the ER said, well, what happened? I said, I'm not sure, and my older boy speaks up, but we were tightrope walking on the top railing of the bunk bed, and Andy fell off. Yeah, so how badly injured was he? Well, he had a, he had a concussion, and he was in the hospital a couple of days. Because when the, my, you know, but he, he's okay. Yeah. Okay. So he recovered. Did he sleep in a bunk bed again after falling out, or did you uh, make new arrangements? He never climbed into the top bunk again. Yeah. I don't know. I when I was sleeping in a bunk bed, every everything worked out well. But I I'm glad I never fell out because I I don't I don't think that would work um, out well. But but again, this uh, unfortunately this little league player wound up in critical condition and i guess he'll he will be okay but still it's it's scary i think if i was running some sort of uh, event for people of any age i don't think i would put people in bunk beds unless it was in prison no not even in prison because well, it's too dangerous well, that, yeah, but they never tried to do that again though right well, yeah. but it's and sad that... Jenny says happy birthday to Roger Neal also. Oh, yeah, happy birthday. Isn't he a great guy? Yep, well, my birthday's next week, too. 
It sounds like everybody's birthday is in August. Today, uh, James Kelly is celebrating his birthday, and our uh, friend over at Miller Motors, uh, Nick Tamaris, is celebrating his birthday. So, yeah. Well, my, my, my growing up, my mom's dad, Grandpa Cole's birthday was August 25th. My birthday is August 26th. My dad's birthday and mom and dad's anniversary was August 27th. And my great grandmother, my father's grandmother, her birthday was August 28th. That's amazing. I have a sister. Her birthday's coming up in a few days, too. So all the greatest people on the planet were born in August. Well, they, were, uh, they had a picture of us in the paper when I was four, the four of us. Oh, really? Yeah, because Daddy and Grandpa were both EJ workers. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I appreciate your call. I hope, hope you have a great weekend, Jenny. Yeah, I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Thanks, 1027 WNBF. It's just basically the extended radio family. You're part of it. If you listen to WNBF, you are part of the family. And we're always getting bigger, more and more members of the family. 607-772-1290. Ron in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. My birthday was earlier this month. Well, happy belated birthday. Well, thank you. Uh, I uh, just wanted to get that in there in case uh, you wanted to send me a belated card. But just thanking, uh, just noting it on the air is, is enough for me. Yes. And just uh, also refraining from singing happy belated birthday to you, just the fact that I'm exercising that kind of restraint shows that I have a great deal of respect. Well, that goes without saying. Uh, you know what? I, I listen very carefully to your show every day, and today is no exception. Uh, you asked for advice for someone trying bubble tea. Yes, because because I predict I predict in the next seven days I am going to I'm going to experience the bubble tea. I see. Well, my advice is it goes very well with Vegemite toast. <laughs> I'm not going to try two new things simultaneously. Now, I will say, if it turns out that I like bubble tea, and based on all of the, uh, the listener input I've received on and off air, I, I suspect I am going to like it. Uh, after having it once or twice on its own, then I may experiment with the Vegemite that you uh uh, gifted me, which I don't worry. I'm I'm sure it's still as good today as when you gave it to me. Well, uh, it it is. It has a half life. It doesn't have, you know. Uh, it's like uranium. It lasts forever. <laughs> so you don't have to worry. I think it. La I think Vegemite lasts just a little bit longer than most plastics. Oh, most plastics and most isotopes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, listening to you this morning, I'm going to quote you, okay? You said you used this phrase. I wonder if you remember. Eliminate the agony. Do you, do you recall saying eliminate the agony? No, I don't. I have, um, but, Lordy, I hope there are tapes because if we had tapes, I'd be able to play it back. Actually, it's, hey, anything's possible. I, you know, I just do the show with no script, and... I'm, the only thing I, I make note of is who actually calls, so I know 
You came on the air at 1027. Jenny came on at 1024, and so on and so forth. So I keep track of that. As far as what I say, you know, as they say, once once it goes out over the airwaves, you know, it's it's the FCC's problem then. Yeah. Well, you you referred to you said eliminate the agony when you were referring to waiting at lights. Uh, you were speaking about having. Oh, now, now, yes, now it comes back in the focus. Yes, the the agony of sitting there, minute yeah. after minute, no traffic for miles, and then suddenly, if you're lucky. By the way, I'm about. I, I'm not going to identify the location. There is a traffic signal. And it says no turn on red at that signal. And the fact is, yeah. if you're in the right lane, it will never change. It will never change. There is a thing in the, in the roadway that will uh, trip the signal if you're going to make a left turn. But if you're sitting there waiting desperately, minute after minute, hour after hour, it won't change if you're sitting there appropriately located in, in the right turn lane and it says no turn on red. I I don't know why they won't fix it, but the fact is they refuse to fix it, and I'm convinced it's because they just don't have the money. My goodness. Uh, so uh, can you name that street so we could uh, be uh, wary of it? Not yet, but stay tuned to WNBF.com for an explosive investigative piece. I, I would expect. Now, when you said eliminate the agony, you see, you always do this. You you uh, create illusions in, in my head here. And I was thinking, my God, eliminate the agony. It, it reminded me of the Hindenburg uh, crashing in Lyndhurst in 1936. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> that was a reporter just like you. That was a reporter. But you've, uh, you know, upped him. With eliminate the agony, it, it's a it's a really great phrase. By the way, there there's a place in Binghamton which I'm thinking, why doesn't it have a rotary, uh, a street? You know which street, don't you? Yeah, on the west side, Rotary Avenue. Yes, shouldn't I mean? Shouldn't we have a rotary somewhere near Rotary? I would think so. I'd like to know. Maybe maybe historian Jerry Smith knows how that street got its name. Maybe it was named after Jimmy Rotary, probably. That's what Jerry would say. Oh, well, you know, Jimmy Rotary, you know, he he was one of, he was like the assistant director of planning for, for Binghamton back in 1930. So they gave him Rotary Avenue to keep him quiet. Well, maybe he was a Rotarian. The rotary that would didn't uh, that didn't even occur to me. By the way, since today is uh, a celebration of the roundabout, uh, one of our listeners pointed out, uh, I think quite accurately, one of the best locations for Broome County's next roundabout would be in Vestal at, at Four Corners. That would be that. If if I had the money. And if I knew who the director, the regional director of the Department of Transportation was, remember back in the day, the regional director of the DOT was on almost on a regular basis. Now, never, never, the DOT never will put the regional director on. But anyway, be that as it may, um, yeah, if, if I could find out who that person is, maybe I could send him a postcard and suggest that he 
put a, a roundabout over at Four Corners because I think that would enhance traffic flow, and I think people would be um, happy because you know, you know, Ron. I have one mission in life: it's to make people happy. I, that that I think that goes without saying. <laughs> yes, that would be the mother of all rotary. That that. Oh, it'd be fantastic. It would be, you know, the the other thing, and I think I brought this up when uh, Martin Maney, the mayor of Johnson City, was on. Actually, what would be an even better roundabout? Right at the mall. <laughs> if if they could replace that intersection there, where you've got all that traffic coming at the terminus of Route Two Hundred One or as they say on TV, Highway 201, and then at the intersection there, Varyell Drive and Reynolds Road, replace that signalized intersection with a roundabout. I think that would be great fun. Boy, that is a busy place. And now with dicks coming in. Oh, it's going to be huge. That's uh, 140,000 square feet. That's, That's not like a little, it's not like a little shop. That's like, it's like big. As yeah. I said, as I mentioned, after after they finished the $12 million renovation project across the street at Wegmans, they're supposed to have about 133,000 square feet in that store, which makes it one of the largest, not the largest, but one of the largest Wegmans stores uh, in America, but still the House of Sport. And by the way, we're getting more and more feedback about Bob's House of News. So if if uh, the Stack family thinks that they're going to have uh, the only house at the Oakdale Commons, they, they may be in for a little surprise. So I'm thinking I'm going to call up uh, Mark Newman. Actually, remember that time when he surprised us and he called into the program? I mean, just by surprise. We were talking about one of his projects, and he called in, so I know he listens. So can you imagine, I throw this out there for the all-new house, or the all-new Oakdale Commons, and then Mr. Newman's listening, and he says, you know, Bob, we do have we do have about 500 square feet that's un, unleased right next to the future house of sport. If you want, I'll let you use that 500 square feet of space for Bob's House of News for three months to see just how it goes. <laughs> oh, I, I I thought you were going to say Bob O'Mort, but the House of, House of News, yeah. that's a great idea. Well, especially, I think there would be synergy. So Dick Sporting Goods has House of Sport and with 140,000 square feet. And heck, Bob's House of News with 500 square feet, which would be just a little bit larger than some of um, Manhattan's best newsstands back when they existed. So, and actually, that's that would be the exterior. It would be designed to look like one of the old-fashioned newsstands in Manhattan. And I, I would I would dress up like one of the old-fashioned newsstand guys. And then every day we would have a stack of. Um, 250 copies of the New York Times and 500 copies of the New York Post and 490 copies of the Daily News. Bob's House of News. You know what? You could also have as a kind of gimmick, it would be cute, you have a newsboy out there with the papers under his arm crying out the headlines. Oh, yeah. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Read all about it. Press and Sun Bulletin just came off the truck from Rochester. Read all about it late breaking 
One of our listeners, Val, suggested that I also have a, a teletype machine over at Bob's House of News. One of the old, one of the old uh, news tickers. Back, remember, back in the day, we we used to get all of our news off a teletype machine, and you could hear it in the background at, at our old newsroom. And I always thought it was great because it gave the news a certain sense of urgency. Of course, now most people, uh, certainly anybody. I guess under the age of 50, probably would have no idea if we put the news teletype sound effect on, on the air. They'd be like, what is that noise? It's like a mosquito, except more irritating. Well, Bob, your lead-in bumper music, uh, uh, I'm in the phone booth. What's a phone booth? Yeah, I thought about that. As soon as, as, soon as the lyric rolled, I'm thinking, well, there we go, yet another thing that... That is no longer a factor in our lives. You know, the last phone booth. Although I'll tell you, I know there is a there is a phone booth. I know of two phone booths in Broome County, and I I, I encountered one a few weeks ago. I, and I did a double take. I'm saying, why is there a phone booth there? Actually, it was not a booth itself. It was a pay phone. But the yeah, now that I think about it, there. There may no, long, no longer be any, any phone booths left. I wish they would bring them back just for kicks. And charge, how about this, charge $5 a minute. But it, uh, the kids would get such a kick out of it. The kids would say, Mom, can I make a call to Grandma from the phone booth? All right. All right, Tiny Tim. Bob, one last thing. You know, uh, the uh, corner... With uh, Wegmans and then exporting uh, goods, uh, things tend to come in threes. I know we're going to have your your news uh, place 500 square feet, but uh, what about another uh, big thing to complete the triad? You've got Dick's, Wegmans, and what else on the the other corner? You know where McDonald's is now. We, we need something big there. Uh, Bob's House of Speedies. Oh no, that would be Sam's House of Speedies, or um, or Speedy Fillet. Speedy Fillet. You see what I'm saying? What but 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 mysteriously, they would be closed on Saturdays. This just in to the WNBF News Center. Doesn't that sound official? You say people under 50, but if, if you go back to the 60s, the, uh, the Cronkite newscast on CBS had that going in the background as he took over and started announcing the news. You heard that teletype. It, it did stand for the news, breaking news. Oh, yeah. Well, up until about four years ago in New York City, 1010 wins the... Uh all news station that said give us 22 minutes we'll give you the world they they had the teletype sound effect on there too and then some young whippersnapper news director said get that off the air that that sounds so old-fashioned and most of the listeners have no idea what that is it's just irritating listen how irritating this is am i right that's music to my ears yeah, actually, it is to mine, too. I, I wish we could bring it back, but as they say, you can never go home again. But, um, yeah, that was actually, you're right, with Walter Cronkite, 
they had that going on. And actually, when Cronkite finally signed off in March 1981, they still, I'm not sure if you could hear, I think you still could faintly hear the teletype machines in the background. The other thing is that they had, because that was 1981, it's hard to believe it was 41 years ago, but they had the uh, news writers who were using probably IBM Selectric typewriters. So you could hear them uh, writing new news stories instead of on, on their um, computer keyboards because that wasn't a thing yet. And so you could hear one of the news writers, he must have been like a relative of Walter Cronkite because you could hear uh, from the way the IBM Selectric sounded, he could type at about the rate of three words a minute. So he must have been a relative or a friend of Walter Cronkite who got a news writing job for Evening News, even though his ability to type a news story in a hurry was uh, was clearly, that's not why he was hired. Nepotism. <laughs> Can you imagine? Decades after the death of beloved Walter Cronkite, we have stumbled across... A scandal at CBS News. Newsgate. Walter Cronkite had papered the evening news staff with friends and hangers-on. Well, Bob, <laughs> to end this conversation, let, let me try it. I'll say to you, good night, Chet. Good night, David. And good night all right. for all of us at NBC News. NBC News. Good night. <sighs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> memories. I can't help it. I know. It's Friday. So what? We can have memories. It's better than talking about you-know-who. 607-772-1290 or fire off an email to bob at wnbf.com. Research. from WNBF as we salute the majestic Susquehanna near the Route 201 bridge. Which reminds me I'm going to be fishing this afternoon, so if you want to grab a bite, we'll uh, be out there. Actually, probably near Bolin Park, I would say. I think that's a better side. Yeah, I could do the Vestal side, but I <clears throat> i don't know that I have the stomach for that. Come on, man. What else is going on? Oh, we see um, this story out of uh, the New York Post. And the New York Post really has these things covered with um, the crime in New York City. So, you've, of course, you've got crime. 
in New York City, and it's bad because, you know, what happens in New York City ultimately is probably going to start happening here in Binghamton. It just, that's the way it just seems to be. So, if there are crime trends going on in, in New York City, they'll probably be here before you know it. So, they had a big story. It's in the post today, the front page, the headline. The headline is uh, astonishing about um, a guy. Let's see, where is the front page? Because the front page of the New York Post, basically, what they do is they come up with the the big story, and then they, they break it down into one word, travesty. That's the front page, travesty. And then there are uh, three video uh, images that they, they grabbed of a guy, a bad guy, uh, punching a man in New York City. And it says travesty. That's the big headline. And then it says sucker punches man into a coma, and he's let free with no bail. So that's front page of the New York Post. The story is reported by Ben Fuerherd. Says a convicted sex offender who allegedly cold cocked a man on a Bronx street, leaving him in a coma with brain injuries, was freed without bail after getting his attempted murder charges reduced in the unprovoked attack. And then there are several images. Um, just a terrible, terrible attack on a person in the Bronx. And you see the images from NYPD because they put the images out on their Crime Stopper page. It says, Bui Van Fu was instead charged by the Bronx DA's office with assaults. Assaults. And so apparently, initially the cops charged him with, I think, attempted murder. Said he was instead charged by the Bronx District Attorney's Office with assault and harassment, both misdemeanors for the brutal knockout punch that left the 52-year-old man unconscious on the street. The man who was injured required brain surgery and is now in a medically induced coma. The new charges against Fu are not bail eligible and a Bronx judge cut him loose on supervised release at his arraignment, according to the DA's office. The NYPD at first did charge Fu with attempted murder. After they arrested him for the attack that appeared to have come out of the blue. It says um, the police charged him with attempted murder and when we got the case, we evaluated and charged based on evidence we had, according to a spokesperson at the DA's office. The New York Post says Fu allegedly confessed the crime to his parole officer. According to the complaint, he told the officer, I hit someone and he's in the hospital. The police are looking for me. Fu and the other guy apparently didn't know each other and there did not appear to be any interaction between them prior to the punch. So that's what happened in the Bronx the other day. And um, what a, a shocking story. So you, you have to ask, should this guy, who is the suspect in connection with an apparently unprovoked attack, should he be out on the street? Think about this. If you go to Manhattan or the Bronx or Queens this weekend, 
This guy who is accused of causing serious injury to another person in an unprovoked attack, he might be out there. I'm not saying he will be out there, but he could be. So the question persists. Did the DA's office in the Bronx make the right decision? Which is always hard. I, I mean, that's why I don't work for uh, the district attorney's office, because no matter what you do, people will second-guess you. So I'm told. So, but there it is, the story. You can read more about it on the New York Post website, or better yet, go out and actually plunk down some money and pay for the newspaper so you're not a freeloader. That's the problem with the news business in 2022. Everybody wants their news for free. Well, we shouldn't have to pay for the news. I mean, we're already paying the cable company for the Internet. It's 1055 on WNBF. Ten fifty nine WNBF on your Friday morning. This is Bob Joseph. It's hard to believe. It seems like just the other day was Monday, and now we're almost to the weekend. I agree. We probably don't really need to hear much more of her at this stage, do we? It's Friday. <laughs> You're right. We don't. <laughs> Just uh, checking uh, the transmitter to make sure it's still working as it ought to. Coming up, another hour of live local radio. We'll be taking more calls and reading some emails. You can send us an email to bob at wnbf.com and we may use it on the air in the coming hour right here on News Radio WNBF Binghamton and wnbf.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Wrapping up the work week with some sunshine for today, gradually becoming sunny, warmer as well, and a high in the upper 80s. New York State Police say an East Meredith man is now facing vehicular homicide and other counts in connection with a May 26 crash on Route 23 in the town of Davenport in Delaware County that left a woman dead. State Police say 39-year-old Adam Bright was arrested Wednesday and charged in the head-on crash almost three months earlier in which the minivan he was driving collided with a tractor-trailer around 4 in the morning. Bright's passenger, 43-year-old Stacy Stackow of Meredith, died at the scene. Bright was airlifted by helicopter to an area hospital with leg and pelvis injuries. The driver of the tractor-trailer, 53-year-old Michael Lutz of Oneana, suffered minor injuries and was treated at a local hospital and released. Troopers say their investigation has now resulted in Bright being charged with felony counts of aggravated vehicular homicide, aggravated vehicular assault, and aggravated unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle, as well as misdemeanor counts of aggravated unlicensed operation, driving while impaired by drugs, and reckless driving. New York State Police say the investigation is continuing. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says a Binghamton man is going to prison after pleading guilty to attempted robbery, while a Johnson City man will be incarcerated after 
pleading guilty to grand larceny in two separate cases handled this week by the Broome County Courts. 34-year-old Douglas Holton of Binghamton pleaded guilty to attempted robbery. Prosecutors had said Holton had been caught shoplifting at the Johnson City Walmart June 14th and threatened to stab employees with a box cutter, enabling him to escape. Johnson City police were able to track him down a short time later and take him into custody. Holton is to be sentenced to five years in New York State Prison, followed by five years post-release supervision when he is sentenced on November 17th. Meanwhile, District Attorney Michael Korchak's office says 39-year-old Justin Smalls of Johnson City admitted he stole over $1,000 worth of merchandise from Lowe's on Sycamore Road in Vestal by manipulating barcodes before using the self-checkout. According to the authorities, the theft happened on October October 5th of last year, and Smalls managed to pay $72.89 for items that were worth $1,442. Smalls pleaded guilty in Broome County Court to felony grand larceny. Prosecutors say Smalls has been sentenced to serve four years in New York State Prison. News released from the district attorney's office notes Smaltz, quote, has a history of theft-related convictions, including felony criminal possession of stolen property dating back to 2012. Playing with toy guns in New York is going to look a little different as Governor Kathy Hochul has signed legislation to toughen the regulations concerning what are called imitation weapons. Years ago, a rule was made that toy guns needed to have a bright tip to indicate that it was not an actual weapon. Now, state law specifies that imitation weapons must be even more easily identified by no longer being allowed to come in the colors of black, blue, silver, or aluminum. In addition to the banned colors, the law states toy guns must be brightly colored white, bright red, bright orange, bright yellow, bright green, bright blue, bright pink, bright purple, or be completely transparent or translucent and can be completely clear plastic. Statistics cited by the governor's office show there have been 63 shootings where an imitation weapon was used but mistaken for the real thing. That led to eight deaths. A Republican candidate for Congress in western New York said in an interview that U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland should be executed before later clarifying that he was not serious. Carl Palladino made the comment Saturday in an interview with Breitbart News. Palladino was criticizing Garland for authorizing a search of former President Donald Trump's estate when he said the attorney general should, quote, not only be impeached, he probably should be executed. Pressed by the host, Palladino added, I'm just being facetious. The man should be removed from office. Palladino has a long history of outrageous comments. In June, he shared a Facebook post suggesting that a racist mass shooting in Buffalo was part of a conspiracy to take away people's guns. In 2016, Palladino joked to a newspaper that he hoped then-President Barack Obama would die from mad cow disease. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast gradually becoming sunny today, a high in the upper 80s, partly cloudy tonight with patchy fog toward daybreak, and a low in the low to mid 60s Saturday, a slight chance of showers in the afternoon. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio Bob Joseph with you on a Friday morning. Give us a call. Yeah, give us a call when you get out of jail. 607-772-1290 is our number. Or if you're still in jail, use your cell phone. 
right, let's start the hour off with Chris in Johnson City. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. I was wondering uh, how much Jeffrey Cram's getting for a kickback for allowing this place from uh, L.A. to come into New York when Cuomo and Hochul were both saying that they were going to allow uh, only New Yorkers to set up shop for marijuana uh, distribution and grow. Oh, I don't, I don't think there would be anything like that. That would be potentially illegal. Well, I, mean, I, I see, I see no evidence. I see no. Now they're bringing in a multi-million-dollar LA company to set up shop here in New York to get well, things started. Well, why shouldn't they set up? I mean, why, why should we limit it to New Yorkers? I think everybody in this country, heck, we should open it up to. Um, uh, foreigners, look, um, a canopy growth from Canada. They're they're setting up a big plant in Kirkwood. They they've been working on that for two years. What about them? Exactly. Well, I say, you know, if we want uh, people to to make millions of dollars off uh, this emerging industry, I, I think it should be open to everybody. Well, the little guy can't get a shot if, if it's all multi-millionaires and billionaires that are the ones controlling the show. Well, it's like all of business. A little guy can't get much of a shot, say, at, at making um, big, delicious burgers and and green, artificially colored green milkshakes. Uh, the little guy can't succeed there either. Well, that's apples and oranges, Bob. Well, you sound bitter. I, I mean, why would why would the marijuana or cannabis industry be be different from any other industry in America? Well, that was the whole point of of them saying, you know, they were legalizing it here in New York State. It was going to be for New Yorkers to get, you know, to bring business into New York and help New Yorkers start businesses. And now they're going against their word and allowing people from out of state to come in and set up shops. And now the little guy in New York ain't going to be able to compete. You know, the only way you can get in on this game is on the ground floor. And if the ground floor is full of millionaires, you can't get going. Well, you, you, you know, but but you sound surprised somehow. I, I'm not surprised. It, this would not be the first time that elected officials said something and then did something else. Yeah, but the rules they're, the rules they're setting up is, is totally opposite of what they first originally said. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much like it always is in New York State. They say one thing and do another. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see a pattern. I see a pattern. I, uh, elected officials will say one thing when they're running for office or running for re-election, and then after they're in there, they'll probably reward people with money. I mean, who do you think actually will finance re-election campaigns? People like you and me with our 10 or $20 donations or the um, rich special interests? I mean, whether it's in Albany or Washington, that's how our system works. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the little, the little guy can't contribute enough, so they're going to go with the big money every time for the kickbacks and the political contributions. Yeah, but you make it sound like it's illegal. And I don't think that... It's illegal unless somebody gets charged. It's, illegal. it's unethical. It's unethical that they sit there and lie to our face and the people just suck it right up. Oh, well, I I can't. And nobody, nobody bothers to question it. Well, you do. I, I think it's it's worth questioning, but you you can't stop it. It's never going to stop. But Jeffrey Graham, you do. So maybe you could ask him for us. 
You mean Jared Cram, the mayor? Jared Cram, sorry. Yeah, he doesn't come on the program. He's not, you know, if he if he was like his predecessors, if he was like Rich David or Matt Ryan, he would come on the program and then I would ask him. Well, maybe you should call him and ask him then. Don't wait for him to come on the program. Question him. He doesn't return my calls. Well, that's just the coward that he is then. Well, at least... You know, I mean, he could start returning calls. He could also, I mean, for starters, I mean, if he wants to turn over a new leaf, so to speak, he could call in now. <laughs> I mean, we're on till till noon. If he's not listening, and he may have other business, city business, so he may not be listening, but I guarantee you somebody on the fourth floor at City Hall is listening, and they could get the word to him that this came up and you know call in at 607-772-1290 and we could ask him to talk more about the that project if he calls in i'll ask well i would appreciate that okay Thank you, bob have a great day thank you yeah i'm i'm always pleased to ask a few questions that's basically i think that's in my job description bob what you need to do is host a talk show three hours a day oh and Ask a few questions. It's 11.15 at WNBF with Bob Joseph. Tom from Endicott. Good morning. How are you? All right, Tom, feel free to call back. We don't have an infallible phone system. Not yet. I think they're going to install that on Tuesday. 607-772-1290 if you want to talk about uh, the emerging cannabis market it's a big deal trust me folks i've already been investigating and it's as uh, as they say i think i think the lettering on the back of the uh, turnout gear for firefighters in binghamton i think i think the lettering sums it up about how big a deal this cannabis industry is going to be just take a look. Next time you see the firefighters out on the scene, you'll know what I'm saying. 607-772-1290. If you want, send an email, bob at wnbf.com. The weekend will begin in 44 minutes when we conclude this program on WNBF. It's recording. WNBF with Bob Joseph. Carl Palladino. Uh, we've talked with Carl Pal Palladino on the program a few times. Actually, he showed up here at the station. Remember that day when Carl Palladino from Buffalo actually showed up here at the station to pay off a bet? He um, He's in more hot water again it seems as though he's always in hot water because he really does enjoy uh, speaking his mind you know many people in the public eye say things but most people in the public eye are very very careful about what they say and how they say it because uh, sometimes what you say if you speak your mind 
If you don't self-censor, sometimes something you say is going to get you in trouble. And that seems to happen with disturbing frequency with Carl Palladino. So he's running in a primary for a congressional seat in western New York. He's running against the GOP chairman, Nick Langworthy, who also has been on the program. But uh, Carl Palladino just can't censor himself, so he's always getting himself into trouble. And let's see, what did he say? I probably am not going to go into specific detail because, well, first of all, you've heard some of the stuff that he said. You've heard about it on the news, and I just find it, uh, I just find it really disturbing. So it says, what did he say? Oh, Carl Palladino stoked, stoked a new round of controversy after the Buffalo News reported that he said the Attorney General, well, he said that the Attorney General Merrick Garland probably should be executed for that search on Donald Trump's property in Florida. In the interview with the popular Breitbart Radio, Palladino later backtracked and said, well, I'm just being facetious. He said that the Attorney General should merely be removed from office. So this story, posted on the Politico website, says, The latest comments aside, what's remarkable to those who have followed the career of Carl Palladino is that he managed to make it 11 weeks through a 12-week sprint to win the GOP nomination without saying anything incendiary or overtly racist. By his standards, his campaign has been buttoned up and on message, with him avoiding debates and restricting access to the local press as he speaks without his usual energy. One Democratic consultant in Buffalo, Jack O'Donnell, said one of the underrated difference makers is that Carl has a professional staff this time. Mr. O'Donnell said he still has some of the regular cast of characters, but he's also been helped by people with ties to officials like Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who endorsed Palladino before he launched his campaign and helped him get on the ballot. O'Donnell says those staffers are running this and running it in a professional manner, and that includes not letting him say crazy things. And the few times that Carl Palladino has been on the program, this program, I don't recall him saying anything particularly unusual. He said some predictable things, but generally, you know, I think I think he controlled himself fairly well, including the time he was here in the studio. He was in this studio um, several years ago because I had bet him. Actually, I, I don't think I initiated the bet. I think he initiated the bet because we were talking several years ago about the possibility that Donald Trump would run for governor of New York. And Carl Palladino, during a phone interview, said something, well, I bet you, I bet you Donald Trump will run to become governor of New York State. And I think during the live interview, I replied, no, I don't think he will. I don't believe that Donald Trump will ever run for governor. Yes, he's 
he, at the time he was talking about being a candidate for governor. But my point was it was all talk and that there would be no action. And so um, I guess Carl Palladino during the interview bet me. He said, well, I bet you an Italian dinner that uh, Donald Trump will run for governor of New York. And I said, well, well, I bet he won't. And a few months later, after it became apparent that Donald Trump wasn't going to run for governor, Carl Palladino actually drove his Palladino mobile down here to Binghamton and came to the studio and said, hey, I'm here. I'm going to pay off the bet. You know, where do you want to go have an Italian dinner? And I said, hey, thanks. Thanks for coming and being a man of your word to pay off your bet. But I didn't take that as, uh, as a, a serious bet. It was just two guys talking on the radio. But yeah, I gave him credit for at least coming from Buffalo to Binghamton to make good on the bet. And then we had a conversation, and I don't think he said anything too incendiary on this program. It's 1124 WNBF. John from Binghamton, you're on the air. Hey, good uh, morning. I, I like the cut of the man, that, that Carl Palladino. He's, uh, uh, I believe he'll be uh, New York's Jim Trafficant, if you remember Jim. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, on the airport, you know, uh, the problem with the airport and, and grants is that each grant from the federal government essentially slaps a lien on the airport, encumbers it, uh, even though the lien is not filed. Uh, and, and essentially you have to uh, wait 20 years before you can do anything. So in the early 90s, the county was offered $25 million on a straight sale uh, for the airport. Uh, somebody was going to run, privatize it and, and run private jets, uh, which were very, very uh, just coming of age then. And uh, the county refused it and then began taking these massive grants, you know, for uh, uh, jetways, for jetways that, that sat there. They, they couldn't be used because there was, they weren't using the big planes anymore, things like that. So right now there's at least $50 million, $75 million against uh, the airport. And I don't think you could sliver it off uh, because of those encumbrances and sell part of it. You also may remember the uh, methane gas. Uh, uh, it would be it would have been a jackpot. Uh, the a gentleman uh, was instrumental in that in the private sector who just died. Uh, you may remember Edward V. Green. He had put together uh, a coalition of property owners uh, for easements to run a pipeline down to uh, the uh, the non-existent now uh, co-generation plant on Clinton Street would have been uh, energy independence uh, for Broome County. And uh, so that's a problem. And people may also remember uh, when Jeff Cram, the county executive, uh, got the brilliant idea to take 50, to give $50,000 of his county funds to an airline that wasn't operating and have any, they had some commuter planes, and he said, oh, they're going to operate. We're going to get another airline in here, and he had a big private. Gave him 50000 and 30 days later, they went under. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I pity all these, and, and what's interesting, when you get out to that airport road property, 
and you're looking at taxes, you know, it used to be a straight deal. You had county and, and town taxes. Now you've got all these, uh, essentially, again, liens on uh, the property with these special taxing districts. And people don't understand something. In the event of a bankruptcy, uh, all assets revert to the creditors. So what you would have, if any component uh, goes under, they have a permanent lien on your property, the creditors. So you, you, you're essentially uh, uh, first mortgaging your property uh, for all these schemes uh, like the sewage. Again, up there didn't didn't have the the, the proper <clears throat> substations, and, and it was it was said at the time. Look, you know, you're going up a hill, but these people don't listen to uh, reality. Uh, they don't listen to anything, and they don't even apologize when all their schemes uh, go uh, awry. Uh, I, I I mean, there's, and each mayor, each mayor, I mean, Mayor David has cost the taxpayers $7 million, in addition to the sewage plant. Wait, how did he million. cost the taxpayers $7 million? Rich David, yeah. when he was mayor? Yeah. yeah. How? Uh, well, a, a million of it, 600000 anyway, was uh, to the Collier Street parking ramp, a temporary uh, parking ramp, which he insisted was good for another year or two. I wrote Freedom of Information request requesting the reports on that parking ramp, and uh, immediately after the Wilson garage collapse, which had anybody, by the way, if you parked in front of Wilson Hospital waiting for somebody, you could see the rebar rotting out. That was not a big deal. In fact, a similar situation right now is going on on the city hall side of the county office building. I mean, that's that that's that's going to collapse too, but the. The, the mayor did that. He did an $80,000 demolition on the Walk of Stars without council approval. Uh, he uh, had a mixed-use project, a parking garage and artist renderings of a Starbucks, which then became just a parking ramp at another 2 or $3 million in cost. Uh, the rec, uh, we'll, we'll hang the rec park debacle on him at $2 million. So... Uh, if if these people kept score like any person would, uh, self-respecting person, or if, for example, if they were, if we had Japanese politicians and Japanese businessmen around here, uh, they would have committed suicide a long time ago because their honor meant something to them. Uh, but uh, no, the, these politicians cost an enormous, an enormous amount of money. Uh, most people now in Binghamton, uh, homeowners, last about five years. Uh, uh, younger people. They come in as soon as their kids get of school age, the for sale sign goes up. That's what we're dealing with. But we're dealing with a, a collapse. These individual entities, Broom Community College, will collapse. Uh, it's just a question of whether they will hatch some plan to, to merge it with other community colleges, take the back offices. But that's on the verge of financial collapse. And I, I'm, I'm talking within 36 months. Uh, uh, the the, uh, the and and by the way, the, uh, somebody mentioned the landfill. Uh, you know where all this garbage is coming from? Binghamton University. That's where it's coming from. I mean, the same thing that Binghamton University did to the sewage treatment plant, they're doing to the landfill. One only has to go uh, on when it's move out day. Go by the west side of Binghamton, and you will see uh, more garbage. Oh, that's true. I I remember last May. Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember what story. It might have been graffiti or something. There was something that happened around Main Street and Walnut or whatever, and so I drove down some of those side streets. John, the amount of trash 
um, because obviously, hey, it, when school's over, you got to move out, especially if you graduate, you're not coming back. So all the stuff you might have accumulated over the last two or three or four years, you're not going to take it home. So, yeah, it, your point is well taken. I mean, and I remember that the uh, the people working public works, I think they had to put on either extra trucks or well, probably not extra trucks after uh, extra shifts just to haul all that stuff away. There were, there were probably hundreds of tons. Exactly. In other words, every move out day is another flood. You know, people would have stuff in their basement. And when the flood finally came, it, it finally went to the curb. Uh, people lived in the house 20, 30 years. Uh, uh, never throw out that much garbage. This garbage is is the equivalent to a, a a recreation of the flood type of garbage. Nobody's addressed it. Nobody's hung it where it belongs on those so-called environmentalists at the university. This is a huge problem. That's why the landfill, in spite of this declining population, is filling up faster than you can whistle Dixie. So, you know, uh, Everybody knows the problems around here, uh, and I will say this, that the downtown Binghamton college town, uh, just like the Oakdale Mall killed downtown Binghamton years ago, it's going to do the same thing again. Uh, the center of gravity now is going to be between uh, the uh, student housing in Vestal and the commons in Oakdale. Newman knows what he's doing. He flipped. He got out. He knows the people that he signed leases with in the Vestal Parkway. Uh, he's taking them up there. Hard times for Vestal. Uh, empty stores, just like the same collapse. This is exactly the same thing that happened uh, when Stars and Westons and Brits went under uh, the first time 40 years ago. It's, it's all happening again. Vestal is toast. Schaefer should uh, stop living in his dream world uh, and uh, uh, come out and, and, and really say what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, they're going to make a ton of money. Now, the difference between... Well, how about this? Why, doesn't, why don't they invest? Or why don't they work out a deal with Endicott or Johnson City? Maybe they could become part of one of the neighboring municipalities. Or how about even better, say, like the west half of Vestal could be part of Endicott, and then the east half could become part of Johnson City. And that way... You know, that way things with, with combined services and so on, you wouldn't have to have two separate police departments. You know, you could consolidate the police and, and fire. Actually, it would benefit Vestal because they would have the services of professional fire departments. I think that's the way to go. It should be considered. Well, two last points, or maybe one, as far as Vestal goes. Why would you sign a long-term employment contract with a police chief that's over 65? I mean, it was almost as if they were asking uh, for him not to serve out his contract and, and buying out. That, that was, I mean, how do you sign a, a, a five-year contract with somebody that's 70 years old? <laughs> you know what I mean? 72 years old. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. And that's why they had to pay out $250,000 to this guy, another boondoggle. Uh, you know how many bungalows you need in Vestal uh, uh, to come up with $250,000? A lot, a lot. Well, fortunately, if you look at some of the houses in, in Vestal, some of those three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 homes, I mean, they generate a lot of property taxes. So, but And I'm sure, this is my guess, because I know some of those people, not, it's not like I 
hang out at their house all the time. But I don't think they mind paying property taxes to help uh, support things like that, like the um, the deal with the former police chief or things like that. I, th- I think they're more than happy to help finance those things. Well, we've got an election for sheriff, and I've said this to you, the number one public safety issue in uh, the sheriff's race should be this and this alone. What do you do for the people that are not getting the service? Endicott, Johnson City, Binghamton, they're paying as much for the sheriff's office as the people in Endwell and the people in the town of Shenango, uh, town of Dickinson, that, uh, you know, that uh, don't have police departments. I know uh, Port Dick has a police department, but, uh, you know, uh, and and oh, just let, oh one more thing. Then this is the last. Uh, the difference between Oakdale Mall One and Oakdale Commons Two is simply this: Oakdale Mall One had absolutely no tax breaks whatsoever, no sales tax abatements, uh, no payment in lieu of taxes. So when that came online. It was just a huge shot in the arm, not only to the county, but to the village of Johnson City. This is different this time. Appreciate the call. Thank you. It's John from Binghamton with a few observations on this Friday morning. We will be interested in hearing your observations. If you call 607-772-1290, I'm Bob Joseph. I have no agenda, just a few questions every weekday morning here on WNBF and WNBF.com. at News Radio WNBF. Notice how we haven't mentioned Mar-a-Lago this morning? Did you notice that? Hmm. That's interesting. Taking uh, a look at one of my favorite stories of the week here on WNBF.com. It was the story that appeared, I believe, on Tuesday. The uh, Strand Theater the Strand on Shenango Street. So it's been there for 102 years, and lately nobody really has managed to get inside. And then, fortunately, the other day, I, as a Binghamton journalist, did get inside to see what's up, because I heard noise. I said, wait a second. I was on Shenango Street. Couldn't see anything, but you could hear that there's something going on. So ultimately, we uh, asked a few questions and got some information about the future of the Strand Theater at 27 Shenango Street. And if you haven't seen this feature, 
on WNBF.com. I commend it to you. I would recommend that uh, you also share it with, uh, say, your family and friends, especially people who remember back in the day when the place was, was open. We certainly have had a few conversations about the history of that building, not just the theater, but, of course, the restaurants that were located in front there. And uh, right now, it's it's being gutted. So uh, there are a lot of workers who have been busy there over the last couple of weeks taking out the old stuff, the projection booth and some of the other things. I think that all well, the theater chairs were already removed, but there's still a lot of stuff that has to be taken out as they prepare the Strand Theater on Shenango Street for its next chapter. And uh, yeah, if you've seen the pictures at WNBF.com, you know what I'm referencing. If you haven't seen it yet, take a look at the pictures. Yes, a whole bunch of pictures. I don't know if it's 15 or 20 pictures of what it looks on the first and second level. And also a little video as well. And we'll try to follow that project as it moves forward. Uh, new life. New life is uh, expected at that theater. Also, at WNBF.com, this is an old story, and, and John from Binghamton alluded to this with the old parking garage. Yeah, it's just a bitter memory now, but remember the old parking garage across from City Hall? The Collier Street parking garage before they finally, mercifully, tore it down. The, the great thing is, I'm looking at this story from 2015, and the headline basically tells the tale. Binghamton garage holes patched days before closing, so they were spending lots and lots of money to pour concrete into a crumbling parking garage 12 days before it was going to close. Because remember... The mayor wanted to close it down before the thing fell on someone or before somebody got crushed, which was definitely a smart move from a public safety standpoint. Who wants to get your car crushed when a parking garage collapses, you know? Hey, it could happen to anyone. In fact, remember, as John mentioned, several years ago in Johnson City, it happened with cars getting crushed, with the parking garage collapsing. So, fortunately, the Collier Street garage was closed before it collapsed, but, you know, the odd thing was it was in such bad shape, they had to call in one of those concrete pumping units, and they were pumping concrete to patch what a city hall spokesman said were quite large openings in the soon-to-close parking garage. So instead of just closing it down ahead of time, saying, you know what, we're going to close it November 9th, but now that it's starting to collapse early, we think we'll just close it. Instead, the city paid money to have concrete rigs pump their stuff up to the top and patch holes so it could be open for another 10 or 12 days. But, oh, well, that's concrete under the bridge Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. You know, I mean, you, you know, sometimes, Vinny, if, if, if I didn't see these stories at WNBF.com, I'd swear I was just making it up or I was 
remembering incorrectly. But no, there it is in print, you know, and that's that's how it happened. Well, well, Bob, you know what? You I think the, one of the things you ought to uh, do. Actually, what I do is I just sit back and so happy of uh, what a great job Joe Biden's doing within all of this this turmoil and and nonsense. Uh, you know, gas prices seem like they're coming coming back under control. Uh, of course, that wasn't him. I'm not going to give him credit for when it goes high. I'm not going to get credit for what it, when it goes low. But at least he tries to tempt. But I really want to talk about. The great these bills that he has passed, gone through the Senate and the House. I think it's great these bill these big major bills, the um, you know Build Back America and all these things that he's accomplished, which people said he couldn't do. I thought you were going to bring the people together. Uh, I remember Megan Megan McCain and other Republicans saying that he would not bring us together. Well, he did, but he didn't. Because, as you know, on all these major bills that have just passed, the Republicans didn't vote yes on anything. They are a stagnant party, is what they are. They don't come up with anything. They sit back and wait for Democrats to do something, then they sit there and critique it. You know what I think they're attempting to do? I think they're working to sabotage Joe Biden. That's what they are. It's party. It's, it's the party over the country is what it is. That's exactly what it is, and I hope, and I'm praying, and I believe me, there's going to be some major shakeups this midterms, because I think the American people are sick of you. You know, we pay you guys, you've got great health insurance, but you're not doing anything. I mean, that was my 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 point when I was talking about Joe Manchin. He's not the problem. It's those Republicans on the other side that vote no on everything. Well, and that's true. All it took was uh, two or three Republicans in the Senate to have have decided that they should put the best interest of America ahead of the best interest or perceived best interest of the GOP. But they would have none of that. In my view, that's how it looks from here. Thank you, Vinny. Again, obviously some will disagree, but... That's how it looks. It, it really looks on some in in so many cases where the loyal opposition is simply trying to make life miserable for Joe Biden because this is the run up to the midterm elections. Looks like they're trying to do everything in their power to make America bad between now and November third. It's 1149. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Every day. I was uh, born flexible. I've gotten more flexible as governor. Uh, you know, you veritable Gumby uh, you need to be to be a governor. You don't know what's going on. You've been away for too long. You can't come back. Think you are still mad. Governor Gumby. Well, 
WNBF, we're almost out of time. Not quite, but almost. 1154 at WNBF, one thing that uh, was disturbing happens Thursday when CNN cable channel announced that uh, they were firing Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter, who's been monitoring the media now for CNN News for years, now they pulled his plug. Um, this is the way it's reported on CNN.com. said, CNN is ending reliable sources with Brian Stelter. They're pulling his plug. The company announced it's ending the media analysis show that's aired in various iterations for 30 years. Its last episode will be this Sunday. A CNN person said, as a result, Brian Stelter will leave the company. We appreciate his contributions to the network and wish him well as he embarks on new endeavors. And there you go. It was one of the few efforts at all to try to analyze the news media in the United States. And CNN, apparently in a desperate bid to cut costs, like most corporations, decided, oh, what we will do is fire Brian Stelter because he was doing a very good job. Isn't that always the case, though? People who are doing very good jobs, especially in the media, wind up getting fired. It's one of life's little mysteries. What can I do? Just shake my head. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. Even though people. News Radio 1290, WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph thanking you for spending some of your Friday morning with WNBF. Remember, we're always here for you. Always. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and stay connected with us using the free WNBF app. Mission accomplished, but the mission will continue next week. I'll be back Monday morning here on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.